You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. More drama than the Kardashians, more blood and guts than Game of Thrones, and way, way more interesting than any drama on TV. It's the life and times of Wu Zetian. Welcome back, friend. You are listening to For the Love of History, and I'm TK. How have you been? I've been great. Just filling my brain with murder, romance, sabotage, and political power moves. Because we are talking about another empress baddie today. And I really should be saying emperor because our subject is none other than the first and only female emperor of China, Wu Zetian. Oh yes, that's right. Emperor, not empress. But how, TK? How is this possible? I won't keep you in any more suspense. Let's do this thing. You know the drill. Get comfy and cozy and let's go. So who was Wu Zetian? She is a super controversial person in history. She was an amazing leader and did some great stuff for China. But she was also a super cold-blooded murderer and really vengeful. But also a feminist who elevated women's position in the 7th and 8th century. So really it's it's kind of a mixed bag, but before we get started with all of that, let me explain who Wu Zetian was. She was born in Wenxi County in Shaanxi Province in 624 CE. She was born into a wealthy family and her dad was freaking awesome and encouraged her to learn and taught her that she was equal to any man, which would create the foundation for the freaking cool and really scary ruler that she would later become. She was well educated in math, science, philosophy, politics, government, economy, poetry, art, music, and all the things. She was educated in all of the things. And she was also beautiful, which was the main reason that Emperor Taizong came so interested in her. When she was 13 or 14 years old, she caught his eye and he chose her to join the ranks of his many, many, like a hundred concubines. Many people, myself included, before researching, think that concubines are just there for sex. But this is not true, in fact. And I explain in more detail on the Instagram. There's a post, so go check that out. But long story short, she was the laundry girl concubine, meaning that she would go to the emperor's room and collect his clothes and his sheets to be laundered and then bring them back to him. One day, when she was returning his sheets and making his bed, she started a conversation with him and just wowed him with her wit, charm, beauty, and the fact that she could read, which was a big thing. But above all else, he was impressed by her beauty, and he gave her the nickname of Mei Yang which means beautiful girl, very creative emperor, good job. But because he was so impressed with her and she continued to show how smart and competent she was, she quickly rose through the ranks and was given a new position 
as a kind of secretary. Still a concubine, but also a secretary. And this meant she was all up in the political business. She was in the meetings, taking notes, and just doing secretarial things. But she had access to all of the government documents and treaties and important things that were going on in the palace. And she just soaked it all up like a sponge. She always seemed to be in the right place at the right time to further her position. Things were going great until 649 when Tao Zong died. And this is where things start to get real, real juicy and scandaly. So strap in friends and get your popcorn. So during this time, there was this rule that any concubine that didn't have children with the emperor then had to go to a temple and become a Buddhist nun. And Wu Zetian was pissed because she was on the fast track to becoming top concubine. They shaved her head and sent her to be a nun at Ganye Temple. Seems like it was curtains for her, right? She's now a nun. They shaved her head. She's not allowed to leave. But you know that's not true. We would not be talking about her right now if that was the end of her story. Girl had an ace in her pocket that would help her escape the temple, but also start her on her path to becoming emperor. Even though Wu Zetian was Taizong's concubine, she was having an affair, dun dun dun, with his son, Li Ji who just so happened to be the heir to the throne. Coincidence? Maybe, I don't know, I'm not really sure. <laughs> so Li Ji, after his father's death, became Emperor Gaizong. And before Wu Zetian was exiled to the temple to be a nun forever, he had fallen madly in love with her, even though he had a wife and his own set of concubines. So now Emperor Gaizong, formerly Li Ji, was not having any of this silly concubine rule. And despite being told that he couldn't by his wife and advisors, he sent for Wu Zetian and immediately put her in a high-ranking position as a second-rank concubine. His wife and the number one concubine were pissed because Gao Zong was spending all his time and attention on Wu Zetian. But here's the thing, friend. Gaizong's wife, Empress Wang, also didn't like the current number one concubine. So she was like all buddy-buddy with Wu and asked her to get rid of the number one concubine. Wu was like, yeah, I'll gladly accept that. And you know how she got rid of the number one concubine? By becoming Gaozong's new number one. And this would end up being real, real bad for Empress Wang because she didn't have any children with Gaozong and Wu had two sons in a row. And we all know sons are the most important, right? Right? But the big, big trouble didn't start until Wu Zetian had a daughter, but the daughter was soon murdered. Wu Zetian accused Empress Wang of murdering her baby 
girl. The probable cause was that Empress Wang was jealous of Wu and had no kids of her own. And this was a super duper big deal in court. Gao Zong divorced Wang and stripped her of all her titles and took her family members out of their positions in court and exiled her. Later on, there was a rumor that um, Wu Zetian had chopped off Wang's hands and feet and threw her into a vat of wine to bleed out and drowned. But Chinese historians were like super biased and hated Wu. So take it with a grain of salt. We'll talk about the bias a little bit more later. So what happened next? Emperor Gaozong needed a new empress. He married Wu Zetian. And in 655, at the age of 31, the laundry girl concubine became the empress of China. Whoa, TK, that was a whirlwind of a first 10 minutes of an episode. So much going on. But basically, now you know the story of how she rose to power. But what did Wu Zetian do with that power once she had it? We're going to break down the next section into two parts. The good that she did for the country and all the changes she made, and the crazy AF scandals and murder and sabotage. When she married Emperor Gaozong, she held the title of Empress, but really was the one with the power. Emperor Gaozong was really sickly and didn't have the strength to make big decisions and rule. And honestly, I think Wu uh, was smarter than him as well, but just my opinion. Often, she would be the one who would go to council meetings and meet with foreign diplomats and other government officials. All the official documents had her name on them. Basically, nothing got done unless she okayed it. She was the power behind the crown. This continued for years until Emperor Gaozong finally died in 683. And long story short, she tried putting her sons in power for a few years, but they didn't cut it for her, and she decided to exile them and kill them, and just declared herself emperor in 690. And to make it very clear that she was beginning a completely new era, she changed the current dynasty's name from Tang to Tianzhou, which means granted by heaven. And personally, she ruled under the name Sacred and Divine Huangdi, which is specifically reserved for only emperors. But she did it, the first and only. So after she had firmly established herself as the leader of this new era, the political and social change really began to happen. And she improved and modernized pretty much everything from education, taxes, land surveying, irrigation, fair land redistribution, created military competency tests that eliminated family connection promotions, relocated and expanded the already friggin' huge imperial palace, made it legal for women to be educated, to travel, to own land, and be independent from their fathers and husbands. And she legalized divorce for women, all because her father had told her that she has all the rights a man does. She wanted to extend that to all the women in China, not just the rich and well-off. She was all about 
choosing the best person for the position regardless of their family ties and their gender. She hired women and people with no connection to the royal family to work in the palace and government administration, which was unheard of and quite revolutionary to be honest with you because Wu Zetian gave these common people the opportunity to raise their level in society. For hundreds and hundreds of years, they had been blocked from these high positions because they weren't born to the right family or they weren't born the correct gender. And in the most badass power move, she appointed China's first female prime minister, Shangguan Wanier. So let's recap. We have a female emperor, we have a female prime minister, and we have female government officials. Take a note, 2020. Take a motherfucking note. But I digress. Wu Zetian made so many revolutionary changes that the emperor who ruled after Wu Zetian actually kept her taxation, agriculture, and education reforms. Therefore, when China became the world's most affluent country under his rule, he had Wu Zetian to thank. And not only that, she brought stability to China during her dynasty that is now known as the country's golden age. It couldn't have been done without her and her government and social reforms. But I want to talk a little bit more about Wu the feminist and give you an example of one of the many ways she equaled the playing field. Part of imperial diplomacy meant negotiating marriage arrangements with the tribal chieftains along the empire's border. Typically, brides were offered to chieftains or their family members, or important people that would make great alignments. So the chieftain would get married, or the chieftain's son would get married to one of these affluent ladies. But Wu sent grooms instead, meaning two things. The men she sent would be subservient to their new wives and proclaiming to other countries that she thought the position of female courtiers was too high to be used as simple trading pieces for political alliances. Wu Zetian did all these amazing things. Her people were fed and happy, women were enjoying being treated like actual humans, and the country was in an all-time high. But sadly, History only wants to remember her as a bloodthirsty tyrant. Although I wish I could say that China was down with the female emperor, I would be lying to you. Many people were appalled by Wu Zetian's masculine rule and made every excuse to write off her power and intelligence as unholy and unnatural. The menfolk were pressed. They were upset. For example, there was an earthquake right after her coronation that prompted scholars to write things like, the message was clear. A woman in a position of paramount power was an abomination, an aberration of natural and human order. Gag me with a spoon. And they said that the palace chickens were turning into roosters because of all of the masculine energy. Oh my god, I, I cannot even with that. I cannot. I'm, I'm speechless. It was just some straight up BS. But I do have to tell you that some of the criticism 
was warranted. Wu Zetian left a trail of blood on her path to becoming emperor. Family wasn't safe, aristocrats weren't safe, government officials weren't safe, even her own children weren't safe from her wrath. It all started out with the murder of her baby daughter. Remember that? We talked about that. Launched her into the empress seat. Rumors started almost immediately. Did she kill her own child? Or did the ex-empress Wang do it? No one knows for sure. There are two theories, basically. One is that she killed her own daughter to become empress. And the other is that, really, ex-empress Wang was super jealous and wanted to kill her daughter. But we don't know. We don't know. But what we do know is that she did, in fact, have hundreds of courtiers and government officials exiled, murdered, and forced into committing suicide, which I believe is just murder. Forced suicide is just another way to say murder. The woman was not playing around. Not playing around, friend. If you came in the way of how she wanted to rule, then you were eliminated. If you questioned her, you were eliminated. If you were like, Woo, um, maybe this isn't a good idea. You were eliminated. But you know what? I really hesitate to criticize her because honestly, if we were talking about a male emperor, the tone would be totally different. Let's just think for a moment, shall we? How many kings and emperors have killed hundreds and thousands of people to keep their power? Like all of them. Literally like all of them. And we're not making a big hoopla over their murders, are we? No. So you know what? If she did get her hands dirty to get stuff done, then fine. I am in no way condoning murder, but she was a woman on a mission in a world that didn't even want her to be able to read, let alone be the emperor of China. But all things must come to an end, friend. Wu Zetian held back the toxic masculinity of China for as long as she could. And when she turned 80, she was too weak to hold on to power any longer. But in true Wu form, she wanted things to happen on her own terms. So instead of being overthrown, she abdicated. And a few months later, she died peacefully in her sleep. But when I tell you the men were pressed, they were pressed. They were real, real upset that they had been under the rule of a female emperor for 22 years. And 30 years before that, she had basically run everything from behind the scenes. The next emperor did everything he could to wipe Wu Zetian from history. He killed her two lovers, he murdered the prime minister, and destroyed her tomb to try and erase all female empowerment that he possibly could. He ousted all the people Wu Zetian had in her court and council that didn't fit the family and royal standards, meaning you don't have a PP, you GTFO. But you know what is the rudest thing of all? They kept all the good things 
that she did to make China the world's leading power, but said it was their idea. Like, what? It's like when you're doing a group project and there's one person in the group that doesn't do anything and then at the very last minute they like do the references and put their name first on the presentation. It's exactly what it's like, but on a much larger scale. But don't you worry, friend. Our final thought for today is Wu Zhechen's final mic drop. Most Chinese rulers have something called a stila, and I'll put pictures up on the Instagram of what it is. And it is basically a big old stone that is inscribed with the emperor's accomplishments. But Wu Zhechen's is blank. And in a recent documentary, historians claimed that her blank stila wasn't a sign of failure as previously believed, but a victory. It was found out that Wu herself demanded to leave her stila without any inscriptions. She wanted to leave her legacy up to history. And in the end, she refused to explain herself and her actions to anyone. Like the boss she was, Wu Zetian would take her secrets to the grave, forever knowing that she did her best for her country and her people. That's all I have for you today, friend. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode and you have time, please leave a review or a rating. It would be greatly appreciated and it really helps to promote the podcast a lot in that pesky little algorithm. So I hope you have a great week or a great weekend. Stay safe and do something that makes you happy. And I will talk to you next week when we take a look at the history of my favorite drink in the whole world, coffee. Until next time, bye. Why is there a metronome right now? Okay. (laughs) 